0: Welcome to the Addendum, a thing added. On this podcast, Pastor Eric Williams will add to, clarify, and supplement the most recent teachings at Fellowship Renewed Church. Welcome to the second episode of the Addendum Podcast. Happy to be here with you today. Well, as we start today, I wanted to take just a moment and talk about the purpose of this podcast and. I was thinking about how Christians have really always taken advantage of the technological advancements of their day. And two specific examples came to mind for me. Uh, The first being, in the first century, when Christians were copying their manuscripts, they used something called the Codex. And the Codex is very similar to uh, a modern book in that it's, it's multiple pages stacked on top of each other and then bound together so you could flip through them and, and reference. And up until that time, what was being used was, was scrolls, and we know what those look like. But the Christians were first to really advance this idea. And so they used kind of this, uh, what, what was modern to them, to advance and proclaim biblical truth. The second example I thought of was from the Reformation era. And we know at that time, uh, what was just coming onto the scene was the printing press. And we know that the Bible was the first thing published on the printing press. And then also, uh, as the Reformation was being pushed forward, a lot of those materials were were printed using, of course, the printing press. And so using things such as uh, YouTube, podcast, we're really kind of keeping that tradition alive and we're... Uh, We're using technology, in a sense, for the glory of God, right? And so we want to push forward biblical truth. And so we're going to use this medium the best that we can to the glory of God. Now, specifically this podcast, what we're seeking to accomplish is take a little bit of time to supplement the material from from Sunday mornings or really any teaching times, primarily Sunday mornings. And uh, if you didn't know, at least for me, on Sunday mornings, there's, there's always material that kind of just goes unsaid, untouched, whether it be for the, the sake of flow of thought or for the sake of time, whatever it may be. There are always things that go unsaid. So the addendum is, is working to just provide a platform for uh, speaking to some of those things. So i um, excited about this opportunity and I look forward to it every week. Now, specifically about Sunday morning, our text was 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, and so I thought I'd read that for us. It says, Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Okay, so I mentioned that there are two ideas at play in in a particular section of this passage, and that is the imperative and the indicative idea. And that sounds very technical. It kind of is, but it's very important. And the imperative is telling us what, You should do, okay? The imperative is do this. And the indicative is just a statement of reality, of what is. And many times what we're going to find in our New Testament is that our imperatives work off of the indicatives. The things we are told to do have as its basis those things that have been done already. So in this case in particular, in this text, the indicative, the thing that has been done for us, is that we really are unleavened. It has been done. That is a reality. Nothing to do. Uh, it just has been done. Now, the imperative works itself out of that idea. The imperative is, then, if you really are unleavened, cleanse out the old leaven. So, both ideas are true. Now, the reason the leaven, that is what is sin or unholy, must be cleansed out is is because of who Jesus is and what he has accomplished. And as I mentioned, God desires a holy people. And additionally, he is himself, the one that makes them holy. Now, in the New Testament, there is a word holy. And that word many times is a translation of a Hebrew word or concept that we find Um, in some pretty famous passages. One of them being Leviticus 11.45. I'd, I'd like to read it for you. It says, For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Now the Hebrew word here for holy is kadosh. You shall be kadosh, for I am kadosh. And what does that word mean? That word holy, it it means distinct, it means separate, and depending on the context, also means a thing consecrated. So we remember the passage Isaiah 6, 3, and what does it say? And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, or Yahweh of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, what does it mean that holy is used three times in a row? Um, I've explained this in the past as kind of being an exclamation mark or multiple exclamation marks. You take this thing as far as it can go. So when you see something in a set of three, whether it be a single word or a concept three times in a row, this is the greatest degree that you can take this thing to. So God is not simply holy. He is holy, 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 holy. He is distinct, as separate as it gets. And if he is as separate as it gets, and we are his people, then we ought to reflect that reality as being separate ourselves. Now, going back to uh, national ethnic Israel, there were certain things that made them not only separate in a category as a holy people marked out by God, but also in the eyes of the people of the world and to one another. So I want to read for you what some of those distinctives are as it's uh, given to us in Deuteronomy 7. But generally speaking, some of those are not going to be mentioned, but uh, things such as the Sabbath marked them out as a distinctive separated people. Dietary restrictions, certain observances, things of this nature. It marked out those people as separate. They are to be a separated people because their God is a separated God. He is distinct, unique, right? Okay, so what does Deuteronomy 7 have to offer to this conversation? I think quite a bit. So I'm going to read Deuteronomy 7 1 through 11. It says. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you, and when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them, you shall show no mercy to them, You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you and he would destroy you quickly, but thus you shall deal with them. You shall break down their altars and dash them into pieces and their pillars and chop down their ashram and burn their carved images with fire for, here's the reason, you are a holy people to the Lord your God. That is, you are marked out, separate, distinct, for a purpose. That Now, in that sense, consecrated. You are marked out for a reason, and the reason is for the Lord your God. And I'll continue reading verse 6. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the people who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number Than any of the people the Lord set his love on you or chose you, for you are the fewest of all people. But it is because the Lord loves you and he is keeping his oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays to their face those who hate him. By destroying them, he will not be slack with the one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. You shall be therefore careful to do the commandment and the statutes and the rules that I command you today. Okay, so there's the distinction. I hope you see it. There's a distinction with this people. They are to be distinct. and, And all these surrounding places, they're not to be infiltrated by these things that mark them out as common. They are not a common people. They are a holy people. So... Let's move to the New Testament. There's a particular scene involving Jesus and his disciples about hand-washing, and this talks about the relationship between what is defiled and what is clean, what is holy and what is unholy. And for certain people, they thought that simply washing in their hands, because it was something they were told to do, it marks them out as holy. Well, the true issue of holiness, Jesus indicates is not what is external, but what is what is actually internal. So, Matthew 15, says, It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. So, holiness should be the identifying factor of God's people. That's true. But it's not something that can be accomplished with external rituals. So, how is all this resolved, then? We have Jesus who accomplishes something for us that makes us positionally and perfectly separated forever. And so how does, how does he do this? Well, he does this obviously by his sacrificial, atoning, substitutionary death on the cross and his resurrection to the right hand of the Father. He makes us a sanctified people. So then, we are, in the eyes of God, sanctified. We are his holy people. If you have faith in Jesus Christ you are truly a believer, a regenerate believer, then you are sanctified, you are God's holy people and there's actually a word for this that many English translations use and that word is saints. You are saints. You are the holy ones of God. Now, going all the way back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, how does Paul address these people, these Corinthians? These Corinthians, they have lots of problems. We know that. We've been talking about that. Uh, but how does Paul speak of them positionally? Have their unholy ways somehow impacted what Jesus Christ has accomplished for them? I think it's a good question. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So they are Sanctified to those sanctified in Christ Jesus a work done, they are called to be saints. They are called to be the holy ones of God. Those who have been made holy through Jesus Christ are now called to be holy. That's how it works. I'll end with first Peter chapter two verses nine through twelve. I I think it kind of brings everything together. It says, But you are a chosen race honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So there is modern day distinction, right? This, this is the application. You are God's holy people. He is a holy God, and you ought to be marked out as distinct, a separated people, a holy people who serve a holy God. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of The Addendum, and I look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you for joining us on The Addendum Podcast. For more information about Fellowship Renewed Church, visit frcsparta.com. Please join us for next week's episode.